welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. Today, we feature audio from the Elite Business Advice Podcast with Chris Moore. In this episode, Crystal Scott helps us provide some insight for personal and business finances, as well as a quick bit on long-term savings. Welcome to the Elite Business Advice Podcast. My name is Chris Moore. I'm the founder of Elite Business Advisors, and the goal of our podcast is to help you grow your business and educate you on a variety of of topics that affect self-employed small business owners. Today's episode, we've got our good friend and business partner, Crystal Scott, back with us, and we're going to chat through a lot of different things finance-related, so personal finances, business finances, a little bit of long-term savings, and some strategies with that. Uh, And so Crystal's joining us today to kind of interview and and talk back and forth through this. Crystal, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here again. Thanks for having me. Third time. I know. I know. And I know we got a fourth one planned for next month. So (laughs) uh, as long as you don't screw this one up, you're still kind of on probation from the last one. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, But no, thanks for agreeing to do this. I know finances was a topic that we were trying to find a financial advisor for. So I'm just going to be straight up and honest about this. And it's really hard because of the regulations to find Mm -hmm. people that can come on here um, and talk about stuff, even from an education perspective and be in compliance with stuff. So, um, that's where we initially had the idea for you and I to kind of, I say co-host, we're co-hosting and just interviewing and talking back and forth, but luckily it's something we're both passionate about. It is, it is thankfully. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up and that's actually how you and I met, right? Yes. Um, so we were both involved with the company that really focused on helping people with their personal finances getting out of debt, you know, just mm-hmm. getting a plan together and, and all those things. I know it was a huge blessing in my wife and I's life. Yeah. Um, I can't speak for you, but. Uh, yes, for mine as well. I've always been um, probably a little psychotic about money yeah. um, and saving money. It's a good so. thing. Though. It's <laughs> yes. a good thing. Um, you know, I know, like I said, it just, my wife and I went through kind of that program whenever, mm-hmm. right around the time we got married. And that was like probably one of the top three biggest blessings in our lives. Um, You know, she's a physician assistant, went to PA school, Mm -hmm. Um, student loans, not, not a fun thing. Right. But I can sit here, you know, six years later saying that they've been paid off for a while. And a lot of it was from that program and stuff. So yeah, Yeah. you're right. We are both very passionate um, just in what it's done in our lives and and even being able to help mentor other people and guide them down that right path. So for sure. Um, so I thought it'd be a good, a good conversation for us to have. Like I said, we're going to hit, you know, on some personal finances. We're going to hit on mm-hmm. some business finances. Like I said, I'm going to touch very briefly on the long-term savings. And, and by that, I'm already going to say this right now. Like I'm just providing a little bit of education of what's out there for business owners. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you to go talk to whoever you work with in your finances. <laughs> if you need a referral, reach out to us um, to really talk more in detail. But I just want people to know because it's something, um, the couple of things we're going to talk about are things that aren't really well known out there for a lot right. of business owners. Yep. So um, where do you want to start at? Let's start with personal. Um, how okay. do you think personal finances impact small businesses since that's our audience yeah. is small businesses? I would say that well, I'm going to make a bold statement here. Okay. I think that personal finances are the number one influence in a business's finances. How so? Um, so I think there's a couple of reasons behind that. So one, 
I think if you have bad spending habits in your personal life, that's going to carry over into your business life. Yes, um, absolutely. And two, uh, if you have bad personal habits, you're going to starve your business of cash because mm-hmm. you're probably going to pay yourself what you have to to, you know, s- settle all your bills and make do of all your bad personal spending habits. Yes. And there's a chance, especially if you're newer in business, that your business really maybe isn't at a point that you should be paying yourself that much money. Right. Right. Um, so one thing, I'll just say this, and, and we'll talk more about it in a second, but, you know, credit card debt. Like if you have a lot of credit card debt personally and you have to make these big payments every month or you're trying to pay it down, which you should, you know, it you're going to starve your business of cash. Right. Um, and I think if you have, you know, on the cash flow side of it, kind of on the second point, it it really starves your business of cash flow. Yeah. Like, you know, if you have to pay yourself, and I'm just going to throw numbers out here, right? Like $6,000 a month, and that might be a lot to some, that might not be enough to some, right. but just throwing a number out there um, because you have to pay, you know, car loan and this and this and this and all these it. things. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> then, you know, maybe your business is really only making $5,500 a month or Maybe you're making $6,000 on the dime and you're breaking even in your business or mm-hmm. you're making 6200 and you're not really getting ahead, right? Right. You don't have that cushion. Um, I know a lot of contractors fear wintertime. You know, we're here just after Thanksgiving and wintertime's here basically right mm-hmm. around the corner depending on what market you're listening to this in. And, you know, a lot of people don't have that security, right? If you're really tight and that tight in your finances, you don't have that security to get through maybe a, a slow season. Yeah. So you kind of talked about debt a little bit. Are you saying that people shouldn't have any debt? So I'm going to give my personal opinion. Okay. And this is what I love. Um, I get to give my opinion and people are going to listen. Um, <laughs> it's like the perfect job for me. No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, there's a lot of different theories out there with debt, right? There's plenty of, you know, things you can subscribe to that's like anti-debt, don't ever have credit cards, like whatever. Yeah. Um, and then there's the people that are like, oh, go in debt for everything, right? Um, <laughs> yes. I like to find myself somewhere in the middle there. Uh, and so my personal belief is that I don't, I don't, I think there's good debt and bad debt, right? Um, I think in business cycles, there can be also good debt and bad debt, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, if depending on the industry you're in listening to this, sometimes debt's inevitable. Sometimes you need that to grow your business and you have to kind of take that risk. It's a little scary, but it can be justifiable, right? And then there's the bad debt in business too. I think it's the same thing in personal. Um, I think there, the bad debt is the credit card debt. Um, and you know, certain things like that, you know, going and just financing furniture and, you know, doing all these different things. And, and I understand maybe there's points in your life that things come up, right? Mm-hmm. Emergencies, um, you know, whatever. Uh, but I think that, you know, when you go and just start financing things, yeah, that's the type of debt that I think is bad because I think a lot of times the interest rates are high and it's easy to get out of control, right? Oh, mm-hmm. I just put on a credit card. It's fine. It's and fine. then make the minimum payment. Yeah, and then I make the minimum <laughs> payment. And then I'm paying off my McDonald's for the next, you know, 18 uh, years. Yeah. And I just paid, you know, how much ever money in interest over that time, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think that that is kind of the, the bad debt side of it. Um, yeah. I think, you know, when it comes to a mortgage, that's that's pretty justifiable. We all have to have some place to live. Mm-hmm. Here in the St. Louis market, a lot of times owning a home monthly payment-wise is cheaper than renting. Yep. At least a home of the same size and, you know, nature and stuff. So depending on the markets on that, um, you know, I, I think a 30 year mortgage is fine. You know, a lot of people are like 15 year everything. And again, <laughs> I don't disagree with that. I think there's a time and a place for it. Yeah. Um, but with interest rates being super low, you know, it's it's one of those things I always think about that when it comes to debt is like, what are you paying on that loan? 
And then what could your money be making elsewhere? Yeah. Right. Um, And again, I understand things fluctuate in the market and returns and all that stuff. Um, But when you, you know, can get home rates for 3% right now um, and and car loans for two to two and a half percent, you know, car loans, the other one, I'm like, it's okay as long as you have a plan. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of people that like buy a new car every two years and they like, yeah, you're just paying the depreciation on it. Stop doing that, right? <laughs> right. Please uh, don't but for do that. for us, like you know, when I just bought my car a couple of years ago, I like made sure Christina. I was like, "Are you good with your car for like six years?" Because we've had a rule: we never have more than one car payment. Mm-hmm. We all like one is fine. So you know, we'll get mine paid off, and then at that point, we'll maybe go a year or two with both of them paid off, start saving some money up, and then go buy one for her, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll have my car for ten or twelve years until it, you know runs into the ground and it'll probably take longer than that so like and i'm okay with that right so so again i think there's a time and a place that that some some debt is is okay and justifiable as again as long as you have a plan with it yeah um i will say this too about like the credit cards you know to me it comes down to the discipline do you have the discipline to pay it off every month yes you know and that's why i don't like the don't ever use credit cards theory for anybody Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of benefits out there. People like to travel, the rewards points and stuff. Um, I'm not naive. I know there's psychology behind that, the game (laughs) theory, right? Um, It's easy to get sucked into those things. But as long as you're disciplined and you pay it off, you don't put things on there you know you really can't afford. Um, You use it kind of like a debit card, pay it off every two weeks. It's okay. Yeah. Right. You're, you're getting bonus out of that then at that point with the reward stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the people that don't have the discipline to do those things that should stay away from credit cards, Yeah, you know, and get the discipline down before you jump back into it. So this is completely off topic. I love it's it. not really off topic, but as far as the um, rewards yes. for credit card, how do you feel about travel rewards versus income, re- like money back That's a rewards? Tough one. So I think that that is a 100% something everybody has to decide for themselves um so we have a hybrid of travel cards and cashback cards Mm -hmm. Uh, because we do travel a handful of times a year so it's nice to pretty much our flights always seem to be paid for every time we're ready to go on another trip Mm -hmm. somewhere uh, but then we also have the cashback side of it to where we don't have all of our eggs in one basket, right? Yeah. Um, you know, especially with, you know, the last year and a half and nobody really traveling a whole right. lot. Um, we traveled a little bit, but we've got a ton of points. It's like if we, that was the only card we were using, we'd have tons of points and mm-hmm. not any plans to use all of them soon. Yeah. Um, they don't usually expire, but um, so I think it just depends. Yeah. Um, you know, I will say this, this is going to be another really unpopular opinion, but I'm going to say it. Um Credit cards with annual fees. Okay. What are your thoughts on that, actually? Um, It depends, I guess, on what the benefit is of that. Are you getting benefits that outweigh the annual fees? So, like, yeah, Yeah. it just depends. Okay. No, that's good. And I agree (laughs) with you. I do agree with you on that. Uh, Because I used to be very anti-annual fee with credit cards. Like, why am I going to pay for this, right? right? Um, And some of them... And again, you have to make sure you use it and take mm-hmm. advantage of it. But some of them you do get way more benefit from than the annual right. fee. Mm-hmm. Um, now it pains me a little bit to pay the annual fee every year. I'm like, yeah. Ugh. But then I realized like how much we saved or, you know, mm-hmm. on like 
the Southwest card, you know, if you, you get like $75 travel credit, well, that covers half the fee right there. So as long as you fly once a year, yeah, you know, it's like, so there's certain things that it can make sense on. So I've kind of mm-hmm. changed my opinion on that a little yeah. bit to where, again, as long as you're making sure you're getting the benefit out of it. Yeah. Um, but that's where I think a lot of people, they just pay it and they don't use it. Right. Yeah. They don't utilize that side of it. Yeah. And I think I would be careful on the travel stuff because if you're traveling and it pays for your flight, you still have to pay for your hotel. You still have to pay for right. your whatever. Right. And so if you're taking the trip because, oh, well, I just have points to burn. You're then, still paying. Yeah. That's a good point. So that's kind of my thoughts on it. I get 2% back on everything that I buy, 1% yeah. when I purchase, 1% when I pay. Yep. And it's crazy how quickly that adds up yeah. and you know now i'm just saving that for christmas and yeah. no, that's my good. christmas pay for so yep when i think there's you know um the couple of cards that we utilize and you know, we've got the southwest card and so you you know accumulate points and you can redeem those points i believe even towards your hotel or there's kind of a back way mm-hmm. you can do it um and then we've got the amex card too and that one is like any travel right so you can use your points for your hotel for mm-hmm. rental cars like everything so i think it, that's an important thing is like are you with an airline specific one yeah that you can only book flights on mm-hmm. or is it kind of a general travel card i know chase has one each yeah. of the major brands have their own um that you can use the points for anything we'll have to talk about this off air because um i've thought about that yeah. but i'm like i would really need to do the math like to figure out how yeah. the dollar value yeah. of what the of the actual yeah. points so yep. we'll have to talk well, about that and i think no, I'm glad you mentioned this. We're, we're way off topic and I don't even care. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, no, I like it. It's good. Um, and then I do have a question for you that's going to be relevant to okay. business owners. Um, but, you know, with the points, you got to watch because depending on the type of card, I guess when it's points and not the cash back mm-hmm. side of it, right? Whether it's travel or just credit cards that give you points back, what you redeem different things for it depends on like the point value you get for okay. it. So, for example, I know on the Amex one, and I don't know the numbers, so I'm going to butcher this. But, like, if you redeem it for travel, it's, like, so many points to, you know, dollar, right? Mm-hmm. And then, But if you redeem it for gift cards, it's you can still do it, but you're not getting as much value out of it because it's, like, 0.5 points maybe instead of 0.75 points per dollar. Like, so, again, as you're looking into getting cards and figuring mm-hmm. out what you want to use them for, be aware of the redemption value of it because yeah. if you you know do a statement credit it's one thing if you redeem it for partner gift cards it's another and if you redeem it for travel booked through them it's where you get the most value out of it right. um, not that doing the other ones isn't right but again if you're looking for most bang for your buck yeah so my question for you is business cards okay first off have a business card dedicated for your business yeah please step one <laughs> please but when you get rewards on your business card mm-hmm. From an accounting perspective, how are you supposed to handle that? Well, whenever I'm recording it on the accounting side, I record it as other income because okay. credit card rewards are technically the income of the business. It technically income of the business. Yep. Um, so I separate that out. Um, a lot of times you're not going to get a 1099 for right. that. So take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. I, I know where you're going with that. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> But so is it only when you redeem it? Um, yes. Or is it something you're supposed to report like once a year how no. much you accumulated? No, whenever you redeem whenever it. You so redeem yeah, it. Okay. if you get the income into your account or okay. a credit on yep. your account because you had the cash back. So a lot of times I'll tell people like, 
just take the credit on like even if you're wanting to spend that money on something personal like just put that towards your statement Mm-hmm. And then pay yourself an extra $200 or whatever it yeah. is on your distribution check. Like, rather than like, oh, I'm going to put this personal expense on the card yeah. and it didn't, you know, it was $300. I only got 200 cash back. Like, just make it easy. Pay for it personally and just do it that way. Yeah. Um, but I have heard that a lot of people ask, that, like, are we supposed to record that? I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to. But yeah. You're supposed to. Um, Anyways, we'll get back on topic. Now. Okay. So. So, so going back to to debt, yeah. um, I know your story on, yep. you know, you guys getting out of debt. Um, how do you have any advice or quick tips for people that are trying to get out of debt? Yes. You know? Yes. Because obviously that's actually the, the topic is we're not trying to encourage credit yeah, cards we're not, here, yeah. even though we've Contrary spent some time. Contrary to popular time. belief. Uh, <laughs> we spent time on that. Yeah. But. And we're not even getting kickbacks on all these cards we talked about. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I'll set up an affiliate thing before this <laughs> <Okay>. airs. Um, <laughs> no, I do. Yeah. There's a couple of things and I'll, I'll give you the, the two pieces of advice that come to mind for, for my wife and I. Um, so the first thing is get together with somebody that can help you lay out a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk a lot about having a plan and being intentional, but I think you have to, especially when it comes to your finances. Um, you know, I think sometimes you got to go backwards a little bit before you can go forwards, depending on the situation. Um, I know for us, like we had a car loan at the time, we ended up selling the car and just buying cheap cars, mm-hmm. cash for a few years, just to save some money to put towards the other debt we had and stuff. Right. So um, it wasn't terrible. We looked back on it and it was one of the best decisions we made. It kind of made us reset, refocus yeah. on stuff. Um, again, that's easier to do for some people than others. And that's right. fine. Sacrificing um, is not exactly. easy, but it's exactly. worth it I mean, <laughs> You know, and it was one of those things for us. We were willing to get rid of our cable and just use Netflix yep. and Hulu and, yep. you know, just certain things like that. So you can kind of go through and, and pick out like what's, what's important, right? Um, but I think really the, the big principle, even whether you want to do that stuff or not, is something that's kind of called the snowball method. There's a lot mm-hmm. of different terms out there mm-hmm. um, where, you know, you kind of lay out, you know, what, what debt you have out on paper, right? And, you know, you pay off the smallest balance first, you make the minimum payments on the rest, then you take that month and any extra money that you're willing to spend towards your debt goes on that one. And then once that's paid off, you take whatever that payment was each month with the extras. And you're not taking into f- um, account the interest rate. Not right? necessarily. If there's some, um, from what I've understood, and again, there's different theories with that, mm-hmm. um, is, you know, you should only take the interest rate into account if it's like you have a couple balances that are very similar to each other, mm-hmm. um, then pay down the one that's the highest interest first. Right. Um, but for the most part, you, you want to go off of smallest balance. Which is so tough for me. I know. <laughs> I know so it's hard, but it's, it's the achievement part Mm -hmm. of it right so for example so the way that my wife's student loans worked is there was like six different ones um you know just for like each of the semesters in Mm -hmm. in grad school and stuff um and so you know like our goal was pay down the smallest one first and then when we finally did and then again we take that and apply that money to the next one and then you're paying a lot more and again snowballs from there in a good way um but when you we paid off that first one it was like oh, this is achievable. All like we can psychology. do it, right? Mm-hmm. If we were like paying them down equally and, you know, and there's math that can be backed up to show how much quicker this can, you know, happen for you by doing it this way, yeah. how much you save in interest by doing it. Um, but if you're targeting the high interest ones, even if those are bigger amounts, it's like you're, it's going to take a lot of time to get there. Yeah. And it's easy for people to have broken focus if it takes that long of a yeah. time. So you want to get those quicker, easier wins and then start building up the payments from there. 
Um, so it was kind of tough, you know, it took time. It took having a mentor and, and a couple of people that really poured into us in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a blessing to help some other people kind of with that too. But, um, again, it's, you have to, you have to have a plan and you have to lay it all out Yeah. and figure out, okay, how much extra money can we real realistically afford to throw on this debt? Right. right. Um, and I think, I think the other thing is you have to want to be out of debt or, yeah credit cards paid off or whatever the debt is um you you have to want it enough that you're willing to actually make some changes and that's where a lot of people stumble yeah yeah i'm very anti-debt so i paid off my student loans immediately and now that i am married i am paying off student loans (laughs) again and it's It's not (laughs) right it's not as fun i I always joke Um, and say i clearly didn't marry for money because i married into a lot of debt (laughs) so um but we love them the same. I know, I know we do. <laughs> it's, yeah, like I said, it's, it's all worked out and been part of the story, so. <laughs> all right, before we get in trouble for Yeah, talking, seriously, let's, Christina's let's, gonna hate me. Right, let's switch to business finance. So business finance is all right. Yeah, so um, what are some common issues that you see people make, like mistakes that they make with their business finances? So, there's a lot of them to start out, <laughs> but I would say I would say a few of the most common ones. Um, the first thing is just not knowing your numbers. Like, yeah. you know, you, I'm a big fan of the profit that airs on CNBC with Marcus Lemonis, and like that's his number one thing. If you watch Shark Tank, everybody's like, know your numbers, know yeah. your numbers, right? It still baffles me that people go on the show like 17 years later, how many seasons are into it, they still don't know their numbers. Like, <laughs> so I think that's really one of the biggest things. Like knowing. You know, uh, there's two key numbers I always look for, especially within the contractor world or any service business, really, is how profitable are you for each job that you do, for each client you have, each account, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And knowing those numbers, and, and again, for the contractors out there listening to this, you should know every single project you do, how much money you make on the job. And, you know, I, I like that because it gives that real-time feedback, yeah. right? You don't wait till the end of the year to see how profitable you were. Right. You don't even wait till the end of the month to see how profitable the month is, although that's my next point. You know at the end of that job, okay, ooh, I didn't do as good as I thought I could have. Well, then you can kind of figure out where the tripping point was, right? Like, did I not estimate enough time? Did we run into a problem that was out of our control? Right. Were my guys just really slow? You know, like, where was the hiccup in that? Mm -hmm. Um, And you can have that real-time feedback to adjust for your upcoming jobs. Right. Um, and then the other thing I see is just not knowing like the cash flow on a monthly basis. Uh, that's something we really dive into deep with a lot of our clients is not just the individual, you know, job costing as we call it, but knowing each month, how much money you made. And then when you take out all your miscellaneous expenses, your insurance, you know, vehicle expense, anything tied to your business, that's not in that labor materials categories. Mm -hmm. Um, how much money did you make? And then take out your salary and distributions out of that. And that's where we get to that monthly cash flow to make sure you're not starving your business. Um, And I see a lot of people when they have slow months or a couple jobs that go south, they still pay themselves the same. And that's okay if you have a giant cushion built up for that. But when you don't and you're like, ooh, we actually went backwards $8,000 this month. Like, because we barely made money and I still paid myself a lot, you know? Again, some businesses can weather it better than others. So I think that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, that kind of leads into the the other one is paying themselves more than what they're making. So those two kind of go hand yeah. in hand. And then I think the, if I had to pick a third thing, would be just not putting money aside for things. 
mm-hmm. taxes, other expenses, not being proactive about things. Yeah. I know you see that a lot, business owners. <laughs> I, I know you don't really do a lot of tax returns specifically, but right. people are like, oh, I owe the IRS $13,000. I'm like, this shouldn't be a shocker to you. Right. Like, if you're going to owe them that, you should know that ahead of time. Yeah. And if you were really planning here, <laughs> you should have been putting money aside all year to pay that, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's I, I think that's a huge one is a lot of the surprise expenses that aren't planned for. Yeah. Um, so like you mentioned, taxes, I definitely see that a lot. And then when I do prepare the tax return, yeah. um, a lot of times I haven't prepared a lot recently, but before um, clients would get upset with me that they owe yeah. $10,000, $20,000, $30,000 in taxes. And I'm like, I just am, you... like, it's not my fault. There's nothing I can yeah. do when I prepare the taxes. Yeah. I didn't prepare it wrong. You right. made your business wrong. We have to plan for this. Yes. So what's, how do you advise your clients on like planning yeah. for that. So I think the biggest thing is to put a some sort of a percentage of revenue or of profit or something aside throughout the year. Again, each job, um, however your business is set up on that side of things for, again, the contractor example, you know, every job put some percentage of revenue aside, mm-hmm. um, whether it's 10%. Uh, when I had my painting company, we did as much as 20. And yeah. I know that was kind of crazy, but for me, it was that cushion fund that I knew mm-hmm. we always had access to. Um, I knew it was kind of the cash flow shortage in case we were waiting on a big check and we had to pay payroll. I could transfer it out of that, get, you know, pay my employees, get the check, transfer the money back into it. I took out of it. I think that's a key thing. Um, But, you know, it just and then it was kind of like our tax refund at the end of the year. right? Right. So I was willing to put way more into it than I knew I needed, knowing that there was some cushion there. Yep. But even just 10 percent, put it in an account, um, you know, and, and sometimes you can have it set up automatically different banks, depending on where you bank at or, or work through. Sometimes anytime money comes in, they'll divvy it out percentages to certain accounts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll talk about that in a second. But. Um, I think just being proactive and doing that. And then that's what you make your quarterly payments out of throughout the year. That's what you make your end of the year tax payment. And then whatever's left over, again, that's kind of your tax refund, yep. right? Taxes can be very different for self-employed and business owners. Yes. Um, so, you know, we don't often get big refunds usually, or it's, <laughs> no. you know, around the same or something. So that's whatever money's left in that account at the end of the year close it out and start fresh for the next year, yep. putting your 10 or 20% aside. Or I like to keep it in there and oh, we just keep it have in a there cushion too. for and the beginning of the year. All of a sudden you're a millionaire in your business account because <laughs> you've never taken money out of it. So, right. uh, but no, I mean, I think it's, again, it goes back to being proactive with it and just mm-hmm. having a system with your finances. Like that's something also I want people to understand So you need to kind of have a system with your finances. Yeah. So do you recommend, you kind of mentioned different accounts, like yes. what else do you use different accounts for? Like, yep. So you can go to the nth degree on this one. Um, yes, please don't. Yeah, I'm not going to. <laughs> For not accounting going to. purposes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but I think, you know, there, there's a book out there called Profit First, mm-hmm. and I'm a big fan of that. A uh, guy's name's Mike Mikhailowitz, and the last name is really spelled not easily, but uh, just search Profit First and you'll find it. Yeah. Um, but he really, he breaks down and says that you should have like five different accounts and like taxes and a profit account and operating expenses and a payroll account and again i think that's a little bit much and i think it's a little overwhelming for some people yeah it does work it's a little a little much for accountants yes exactly if you're paying someone to take care of that yes yes Um, (laughs) not that it's difficult pros and cons right so i really i try to simplify it for our clients and say you should have two three accounts at the most so the taxes is one Mm -hmm. anytime revenue comes into your main checking account 
10% or whatever the number is goes to your tax account. Um, the second one is you should have a deposit account. And again, this is kind of for my contractor friends out there, that when people give you deposits for their jobs, you shouldn't just dump that into your checking for day-to-day -day spending, right? Um, it should go in an account to where, in theory, if at some point all of your jobs canceled at once, you could refund their money without any issues, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then, obviously, once you buy materials, start the job, finish the job, then you just transfer that money over into your checking. Um, so I think that's that's a really, really big one for me. Um, and then the third one is having, and this is kind of where I say it's optional, I like the idea, uh, but having a profit account for the owner. It's kind of your bonus. Yeah. Um, so in the book, he talks about you know, taking, even if it's starting at 1%, one, so 10% goes to taxes, 1% goes into the profit account out of each check that comes in. And, you know, just let that build up over time. And at the end of the quarter, you take half the money out and that's your bonus as being a business owner. Mm -hmm. uh, because I know I'm guilty of it too. Like we just get so used to just paying ourselves almost like a salary every two weeks, right? You know, sometimes you fluctuate it. But, you know, we don't really take bonuses out, right? right. I'm like you. I, like, I want to keep cash in the business and have a cushion and be able to invest into, you know, growing. Um, so I don't want to take extra stuff out. So this is kind of like my non-guilt fund, if nothing mm -hmm. else, um, and do that. And, and he kind of says if you have debt, take that money and put it towards your debt, personal or business. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then just let the other half of it grow, right? And it'll compound to where each time you're taking bigger checks out each quarter. So, right. you know, maybe eventually that percent goes up to 5%. Um, and that's kind of the owner's bonus, if you will. So um, I kind of, again, you go beyond that. I think it gets complicated. Mm -hmm. Again, make sure all of your accounting lines up and stuff. <laughs> but um, reach out to Crystal if you need help with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's switch gears a little bit to long-term planning. Okay. So what are some common things that you see with when it comes to business owners and long-term planning? I think or really. Or don't see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, I, what I don't see is them having a, a plan. Yeah. Um, but no, I think they just, a lot of times people just haven't started, right? And they get, I say they, it's just business owners in general. Or I should say we. Um, we. We get sucked into the day-to-day, -day, the month-to-month, the year-to-year, -month, -year. oh, next year I'm going to start saving. Oh, next year I'm going to start this. Next year I'm going to start this, right? And they all of a sudden wake up one day and they're like, well, I'm 50 and I have this business and I have nothing for retirement yet. Yeah. Like, you know, and I always say, like, it's never too late to get started, right? The mm -hmm. best time to plant a tree that you want shade on was actually 20 years ago. The second best time is today, right? Yeah. Um, and so just get started on it. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, a lot of times business owners don't have an exit strategy for their business. Um, I know that's a recent episode we did with Colin Clark talking about like succession planning and exit strategies and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they just, they don't have a strategy. Like what, are they going to sell the business? Are they going to be, stay a part owner of the business? Mm -hmm. Are they, you know, whatever. Um, I sat down with our financial advisor the other day and we we're talking about that, right? He's like, oh, well in retirement, like how much are you guys going to spend? And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm 30 something years away from that still, <laughs> but I know me well enough to know that like, I'm probably never just going to totally quit working. Right. Like I love what I do again, 30 years might, might Maybe. think otherwise, uh, not saying I'll be doing it full time still, Ten but like, later. yeah, oh, Ten. <laughs> slow, slow your roll there. Um, but you know, it's like, I plan on having some sort of income coming in from a business, from, you know, speaking or like, I don't know what Something. it's going to be. Right. Um, and so it's kind of hard to plan for that. So I'm just planning for nothing and everything's a bonus. But um, I think that's the biggest thing is just, you know, 
not having not starting or not really having a plan and then also um, not having a plan for what you're going to do with your business when you get to retirement. Yeah. So speaking of retirement, do you, are you aware of any special things that business owners can do for retirement? Yes. Mm -hmm. So the one big thing I mentioned earlier in the show, and again, this is education, not advice, even though I'm not licensed in anything, so I guess it doesn't (laughs) matter, but um, is to check into what's called a SEP IRA. Mm-hmm. CP IRA. Um, and really that allows you to contribute to it through your business yeah. um, and take the expense as a deduction. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that, you know, when you own a business, you have the ability to do that. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that. A lot, you know, there's the traditional and in personal investment vehicles yeah. for retirement, but a lot of people don't know that as a business owner, you have access to something like that. Yeah. Um, are there any qualifications that you're aware of? So, um, from my understanding, um, is there's not anything specific. It's not like you have to be set up as a certain company. You yep. can't be this. Um, you can be a sole proprietor. You can be an LLC. You can even file as an S corp and still yep. be able to do this. So there's no restrictions on that. Um, it looks like the contribution amount, the most you can contribute each year, is the least of either fifty-eight thousand or 25% of your um, mm-hmm. earnings. Yep. Um, and again, there's some calculations you can make to figure that out. I'm not going down the rabbit hole on that. But yeah. um, the biggest thing though I would think about with this, uh, and again, this is my interpretation of it, is if you have employees, yep. if you have a SEP IRA and employees, there's a couple qualifications, they have to be 21. And if they've been with you for three years or more, if you contribute to a SEP IRA for yourself, you also have to contribute to them. Yep. So equal percentages. Equal percentages, mm-hmm. exactly. So um, it's something to think about. I, I think the SEP IRAs, from my perspective, are really great if you don't have employees or if you have employees that, you know, generally aren't going to be with you long term, right. you know, and stuff. Um, or I if think your salary is yeah. a lot greater than, you know, you have part time staff yeah. or. Exactly. So again, that's where I say like really talk to a financial advisor you work with, you know, and trust um, to really see like, hey, does this make sense for me? And and if it does, make sure you have all the information, right? Not just what makes sense for you personally, but okay, well, now I have to contribute to or I get to contribute. That's how I think you really should view it personally. Yeah, it's a great benefit it is. for your employees. It is, you... right? You know, I know there's the simple IRAs too that they can contribute to mm-hmm. um, themselves. And, and that's that's a pretty cost efficient thing for a lot of business owners. And so, you know, I think it's just good to get the information on how it benefits you personally, but also like how it can help your employees too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yep. yep. Yeah. That's, that's my limited knowledge. Yep. Seeking advice from yep, more professional. Good. good. It was good. So I was right in everything I said. <laughs> yep. I knew you're over there fact checking me. So I see you on your that's phone right. Googling stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so what's one final piece of advice? Let's kind of wrap this up. Yeah. Business, personal. Yep. What's one thing that you have? You know, I think finances get to be overwhelming for people. It's definitely the number one stressor in life. You know, it's the number one cause in divorce. Um and, you know, I think it, it's, it can be overwhelming. And so I think the biggest thing is just find one place to start, like listen through what we just talked about, mm-hmm. plug into other information, you know, get involved in programs, listen to other financial podcasts on stuff and just figure out like, what's the biggest weakness you need to work on right now and go work on that over the next 30, 60, 90 days. And mm-hmm. once you get that down and it becomes a habit, find the next thing yep. and then find the next thing. Right. I see a lot of people, you know, and, and they kind of do this new year's resolutions too. Right. They like overhaul their life, yeah. you know, and same thing with their finances. Like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to start doing retirement. I'm going to pay down my debt and I'm going to do this and this. And I'm like, 
that's great, but you're kind of setting yourself <laughs> up for failure, on one thing. right? Like, let's just focus on the retirement piece yeah. for a few months and get used to, you know, contributing to that each month. And then let's work on this. Or, you know, if you have a lot of debt, a lot of times you need to get out of the debt so you can take that money to contribute to retirement. Yeah. Find a hybrid if it's going to take more than like five or six years, you know. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is just figure out what's the one thing you, you know, struggle with and then get good at it. Come back, find the next thing move on cool yeah what uh do you have any advice for him since i know you're passionate about this too yeah i mean i think that for me it if you can afford the monthly payment it doesn't mean that you can afford <laughs> what you're purchasing this is so true. um sometimes it makes me crazy that people are like oh well, i can afford it and yeah. it's like oh like how much debt do you actually have like right. what happens if your refrigerator goes out and you need money for that um so i think that's really huge and then also like the bank you know they're talking interest rates and and you know it's oh well the monthly payment is they've they very much want to focus on well the monthly payment is only this dollar yeah so so i think that that is um something that just makes me crazy is like well just because you can afford that payment does not mean you can actually afford it and then or that you should afford it or that you should yeah Yeah. and then the credit card stuff just uh, making sure that you're paying that off every month or at least paying more than the minimum payment yes. because if you're only paying the minimum payment, my gosh, your yeah. balance is just increasing. And some of them that's like 780 months to pay off. I'm like, oh yeah, my God. Right. And like you said, you're paying off your McDonald's for yeah. a year. Yeah, like, it's yeah just, exactly. It's not worth it. And so I know like we had talked about making sacrifices yeah. and you sold your vehicles. Right. Like We were willing to. That's crazy yeah. to, to a lot of people because yeah. they want the the bigger better vehicle um but that sacrifice is so worth it in the end and i think that's really important that um people are looking for instant gratification they are um and not necessarily long term so i mean i'll be honest we fought it like oh uh, we didn't want to and and, i mean we had a nissan rogue which was a great car but it wasn't like we had like bmws and all these luxury cars right but it was like ah man but we were just like we were at that spot where we kind of woke up one day and we're like how did we get here? Like we yeah. were both raised with some pretty good financial advice mm-hmm. and insight from our parents. And again, we didn't do anything elaborate or crazy. We didn't go buy a half a million dollar home for our starter home. Like, right. but it was just like, Oh my gosh, we've got this much in debt. I between mean, falling into the, society, yeah, like how right? we're told to you live our lives. It, right? The bank has money. Yeah. The bank has money. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Right. And they print it all day. Yeah. Um, but you know, we <laughs> kind of had that reality there. and we're like, okay, like, are we committed to like, getting out of this yeah. like yeah let's get student loans paid off let's do this and so we, again we were willing to sacrifice some things mm-hmm. um we still don't have cable to this day i know it's yeah, less popular either. every year but yeah. like we haven't had cable in six years no, um not worth we've the survived fine yeah like and so you know there's just things you got to figure out like how much how all in do you want to go with it right yeah. and i know for us we always made sure we walked a healthy balance of and I'm just sharing our experience. I'm not saying this was, we did it perfectly, but we walked a fine line between paying off debt, but also saving for retirement and future and having yeah. an emergency savings and stuff. Yeah. Um, we made sure that we were mostly focused on the debt, but that we didn't put everything else on hold until mm-hmm. then, right? Because like you said, if you're spending all your money, even if it's paying down debt, as like you should, but then your refrigerator breaks and you have no emergency fund to mm-hmm. pay for that or a car expense or something, um, you're just 
putting more money back on the credit card, right? So that's where I see you really need a mentor to kind of help you say, hey, this is what really makes the most sense for you. What are you comfortable with? Yeah, finding that balance. Yep, Because I'm the opposite. I'm like hoard it in my savings and don't pay down the student loans (laughs) because I just want to hoard it. Uh, that's a whole other conversation we can right. have later. But, um, <laughs> but no, while we're on the topic, before we wrap up, I, I do have to, to pick on your other pet peeve uh, because of the time of year. We've got about a Great. month left in the year. Um, you already probably know where I'm going with no, this. No, I don't. I'm nervous. Um, let's talk about tax write-offs again. I know we <laughs> talked about it in our other episode, but uh-huh. like if don't spend money on things you don't need, guys. Yes. Like I know it's the end of the year. Hopefully you're making more money than you expected to don't go buy something you don't need if you need it or if you're stocking up on stuff for next year okay i get it right don't if you're buying it because you want the write-off and you don't you're not going to need it in january yeah like would you buy it in january yep if you will then great buy it now so you get that write-off right if you're not going to need it in January, then don't buy it. You don't need a new truck every two years. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. You know, please, or a new please, no. whatever it is. Like, yeah. And again, if it's going to be useful, it's going to help fuel growth for your business. If you really need a new truck, you know, okay, it makes sense. Yeah. But I say truck, just that's always the common one you hear a always, lot of times. Yeah. Um, tools and different things. If you really need it, get it. But, like, you're still spending money on it. Like, yeah. we joke about the Schitt's Creek scene right. where it's like, oh, it's just you write it off. Right. To who? I don't know. The government. <laughs> like, they, they just pay you back for it. No, you. they don't. You're still paying the money for it. Yes. You just get to deduct a portion of it. Yeah. And then you're paying taxes on that. So, And yeah. even with the vehicles, especially trucks right now, I mean, if you the, don't need it, need it, oh need gosh, it right now, can you hold off just a couple, at least a few months? Yeah. You know, I think eventually the market's going to go yeah. down a little bit. Yeah. So let's hold off if you can because, yeah, yeah. you're spending all that money they yeah. just don't nope. need to i know that's the biggest thing like oh it's a write-off i'm like you're still spending your cash on it so <laughs> you're paying 100 percent. like i'm all about like trying to reduce deduction. my taxable income legally yes. and with things that make sense right but yes. there, there becomes a line so yep. well crystal i appreciate you doing this again um i know we'll do one more next month for sure and i'm no maybe we'll start a new trend maybe we'll just do one a hey, month yeah. of these you know every year for the next year so i appreciate you uh being here and doing it yeah no problem thanks for having me thanks painted podcasts are produced by the painting contractors association and is made possible by members and industry partners to find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining pca visit pcapainted.org